to the things of this world. All the wonderful things of this world are nothing compared to the hope we have. And all the disappointments of this world are nothing compared to the hope that we have. That's not where we need to have our eyes. Hallelujah. So it, it causes us, it causes us to hold less tightly to the things of the world. It causes us to have reason to rejoice. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. I rejoice in my promise. I rejoice that I have a faithful God. I rejoice that I have a God who never leaves me nor forsakes me. I may turn away for a while, but he never does. He's always got his loving arms around us. It's important to have this hope because, but saints, when we have a hope, what do we do? We draw closer to the things that we need to do for that hope. We purify our hearts because we receive the love of, the, of that hope from our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to walk more circumspectly. We want to let go of things. We want to purify our hearts. We want to draw close in communion with him. So it causes us to rise up. It causes us to ascend. To live the truly ascended life that he intends for us to live here on this earth. And to be a beckoning light to those who need the light. The loving light. The loving light. I believe much of the lethargy much of the uh, despondency, much of the discouragement is because we don't have our eyes on the hope. And it's pastor's problem. It's pastor's fault to a large extent because nobody preaches the rapture. We need to understand revelations. We need to understand the rapture. So we're going to take a little baby step today into the rapture. We're going to teach. We're going to learn. We're going to study together the rapture, the catching away. You know, there are those who teach that the catching away is only for a select few of the Christians. It's only for part of the church. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that fits with the love of God, and I don't believe that that fits with the way that he told us that he sees it in the Scripture. And so we're going to go into that. Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You see, salvation is offered to all. It's offered to all. It's a matter of whether we're going to accept it or not. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what does it say is the blessed hope? It is the appearing it is the appearing. 
is when he comes back to gather his church. And in the King James Version, it says, looking for the blessed hope. We are looking for the blessed hope. That's why we're studying this today, so we can all be looking for the blessed hope. Understand the blessed hope. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our Lord, the appearing, sorry, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, when we, when we get our eyes on the blessed hope, we become a purified people, eager to do what is good. Now, we aren't saved by works. We all know that. We're not preaching that. Works are an extension of our faith, okay? But we do change from glory to glory. We do purify our hearts. So we keep our hearts stayed on the blessed hope that Christ is coming to catch us away with him, and it causes us to be eager to do good because it is a hope that we can look forward to, to purify ourselves, to escape the tribulation, to understand God's love for us. John 14, 1 through 4. Here, this is awesome. Never looked at it this way before. This is awesome. This is a key. This is a key to not letting your heart be troubled in troubled times. Our times are not troubled believers, but in troubled times in the world. Okay, there's a difference. But we do not have to be affected by those troubling times in the world. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Step number one. In the house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Hallelujah. I will come again and receive you unto myself. Hallelujah. Does that cause your heart not to be troubled? Focus on this, focus on this, and we will walk in an untroubled state. That's where Jesus wants us. That where I am, there ye may be also, and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. We know the way. We know the way. This is not a mystery. We know the way. Our escape from the struggle, from confusion, from the agony and torment of the last days that are coming upon the earth. He's coming to rapture the church. Hallelujah. Verse 27. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do not be afraid when you see these signs on the earth. Do not be afraid. He's got you. You're in the palm of his hand. You are precious in his sight. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away 
and come again unto you. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you've made a way. So, yes, there is a rapture, okay? There's the, okay, I'm calling it the rapture. The scripture says the catching away. So we have the catching away of the believers, of the saints, of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we have the tribula tribulation, seven years of the worst hell that any of us could imagine, and then even worse than that. That's when the Antichrist becomes revealed. Seven years. Then the second coming, or you may want to call it the second advent. And this is when people receive the mark of the beast. Sobering thought. Thank you, Lord. I'm not planning on being here then. Hallelujah. I believe by then the church is gone. But you have the tribulation, then you have the second coming. The second coming is when Jesus comes back to rule and reign. He comes back with his saints. He comes back with the beloved to rule and reign. The millennial reign. So there are those who believe in pre-trib rapture. There are those who believe in mid-trib rapture. There are those who believe in post-trib rapture. There are those who believe in partial rapture of the church. I believe there's support for pre-trib rapture. And it makes the most scriptural sense to me. It follows the heart of God for his church, for those that have believed on his precious name, who, for those who have received what the blood has done, eradication of the effects of sin and death, the curse of sin and death, The tribulation is sometimes called the day, the time of Jacob's trouble. That's Old Testament. It's called the great tribulation. It's called the day of God's wrath. The day of God's wrath. You see, we are not living in the day of God's wrath. We are living in the church age. We are living in the age of God's love and mercy, forgiveness, and grace poured out so that people come unto repentance. The window of repentance is open. Forgiveness is for us. God's mercy never fails. His mercies are new every morning. That's the time in which we are living. So I'm going to give you several, several reasons for the pre-trib rapture. Catching away. First of all, the scripture tells us that God has not appointed us to wrath. God has not appointed us to wrath. That's believers, when I say us, okay? That those are those who have chosen to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is all about the love of God and the mercy of God being poured out in this present age. Romans 5, 8 through 9. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Nine, since we have now been justified by his blood, you are justified by the blood of Jesus when you receive him as your Lord and Savior, how much more shall we be saved, saved from God's wrath through Jesus? You've already been justified. 
Why does it then need to say how much more are you going to be saved from the wrath? You, you understand that? Young's literal translation, and God doth commend his own love to us that in our being still sinners, Christ did die for us much more than having been declared righteous Now, in his blood, we shall be saved through him from the wrath. Young's literal there says the wrath. The wrath. Becoming wrath. You don't need to be saved from it again. If you're blood-bought, purchased, you, your testimony is that you, are the, that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Self-condemnation is gone. The curse of sin and death is gone. You have been made overcomers in Christ. But there is a coming wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. This talks about the second coming, and it talks about the catching way. Now, brothers and sisters, notice he's talking to brethren brothers and sisters, about time, oh, and actually even just, well, I'll tell you that in a minute. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's the second coming. He, he has just finished, see if I can find it. He has just finished, for the Lord himself will come Sorry. That God will bring Jesus, those who have fallen asleep, he will come down from heaven and in the in the verses. It's talking about the rapture. After that, we who are still alive or left will be caught up together when he comes. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now he's going on to this. And he says, now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety. Y'all know that the Christ comes and establishes a peace covenant, right? With Israel, right? Y'all know that? A covenant of peace. So the, this is that time. They're looking and they're saying, oh, everything's great, peace and safety. But then mid-trib, the Antichrist breaks that treaty with Israel. And then he's revealed. The true nature of who he is is revealed. They are saying peace and safety. Peace and safety. You know, when he, when he breaks that peace treaty, he, that's when he sets himself up as God in the temple. And it is called the abomination of desolation. You can go to Matthew 24. See, Matthew 24 is not for us. It's not for us. It's post-rapture. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. They will not escape. 
That is not talking to you. That is not talking to you. As a born-again believer, look what it says here. It says, but you. But you, brothers and sisters. These are brethren. Paul is talking to the brethren. Are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep But let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Saints, that is not just talking about being born again. That is talking about salvation from the day of wrath, the blessed hope. Our blessed hope. It is beyond the born-again experience. Because, like I said a minute ago, see, he had just referred to the rapture right above that. That's what he's talking about. He had just referred to Christ coming to catch us away. Paul is talking to Christians. He goes on, he says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we we receive the redemption of our bodies, don't we? When he comes, like those who have fallen asleep, they're going to go first, and we go with them. We receive redemption of our bodies. They receive redemption of their bodies. The glorious body. Right? He died for us. So we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. You know, the rapture is our final inheritance from this junk <laughs> on the earth. Our new bodies. Therefore, Therefore, because of this, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This should be an encouragement. This is a building up to our hearts. This is a strengthening to our spirits. So whether we are awake or or asleep, this is referring to those who have, you know, gone asleep before Christ comes again. They're saying asleep. And then those of us who are who remain. First Thessalonians 1.10. This is also written to Christians already believing, not talking about original salvation here. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. It's a rescue. It's a rescue from the coming wrath. He doesn't need to rescue us again from our own self uh, sin, right? He already did that. If you're a born again believer, you either believe that the blood and your testimony 
has destroyed the curse of sin and death, self-condemnation, unforgiveness, all that. You either believe that it already did it or you don't. And if you don't believe it, you're sadly mistaken. And here he's talking about rescuing us from the coming wrath. Jesus' blood doesn't need to do something twice. Once is enough. So this is not the same thing. King James, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, he's already been raised from the dead, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Secondly, I believe that the church tells us that we will be taken away, removed, before the tribulation. That's the reason for our blessed hope. Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 14. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. The catching away, the gathering unto our Lord Jesus. We ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly, not really, not really, this isn't what we taught, allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. See? He's saying that's not what I'm talking about. This, they're saying this, that, that the second coming has already happened. No, 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 that's not true. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. And the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, that's what he's called, is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him, the man of lawlessness, you know what is holding him back so that he may be, be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back, it is the spirit of lawlessness. I'm just helping you out with all the pronouns and that to which they refer. Who now holds it back, the spirit of lawlessness, 
will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. That's the church. The church will be taken out of the way. And the son of perdition will be revealed. Does that make sense? Do you see that there? I believe that's the church by the power of the Holy Spirit that will be taken away so that the man of lawlessness is revealed. We are gone at that point. So then the, the natural question sort of is, well, why wouldn't God just let us all go right now, right this second? I'm ready. You see, only God knows when the very last soul that is going to listen to his message of love in order to be redeemed unto him has believed. Only God knows that. It is his desire that none should perish. So he knows when that message of mercy, when that message of love has gathered in every last soul that it can gather. We don't know that. But we want that. We want that. And then the tribulation. So the church is removed. Do you believe that you have a job here on earth? Are you holding back forces of darkness when you pray? Is it your mission? So you see, you have an important job. You are holding back so that every last soul can be saved. That is an honorable, worthy goal. Thank God that he has made us ambassadors of his love and mercy. Why do we have discipling churches? You get discipled so that you can go out and win the lost and share the love. And at that point, when the Lord knows that not, not another single soul is going to listen to the love message, the love of God, and have their heart turned, he takes us away. We don't have a job here anymore. And the tribulation comes. And in fact, at that point, the tribulation is an act of mercy. There are going to be people here when the church leaves and they will look and they will repent because they will have heard about what's going on beforehand. They might have some knowledge in their, you know, life about that. And they're going to go, hmm, I guess that was right. Too bad I didn't get on board before, but man, I'm going to get on board now. And there are going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will receive the mark of the Lord and they will go forth and people's lives will be saved. But you see, at that point, that is an act of God's mercy, even though the wrath of God is being poured out because there are certain people who will only listen once the wrath occurs. That's the only time their eyes are going to be opened. It is not because we have a wrathful God. It is because we have a God of mercy. 
Would it be that he would have liked them to change their heart and come to him prior? Yes, of course. Of course. I was somewhere in the scripture. (laughs) I think verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Okay, yeah, that's where we were. It says, the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. That's the second coming. Thirdly, the scripture clearly tells us that as believers, it uses the word all. Because we will all be changed. First Thessalonians 4.13. I'm talking about at the catching away. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. You know when the scripture says, I don't want you to be uninformed, then it's like, let's listen. I don't want to be uninformed. About those who sleep in death. Those are believers. Those are believers. Before the, before the rapture, they've fallen asleep. So that you do not grieve like the, re- the rest of mankind who has no hope. Isn't that lovely? He's saying, come here. Look here. You have a hope. You don't have to grieve like the rest of the people. You have a hope. Don't be so concerned with what's going here on the earth, what's going on. You don't need to look at the tragedy. You don't need to look at all the pain. You don't need to be concerned with that. You don't need to hold tightly to what you have. You want to be looking for me. Don't look to the things of this world. Look to me. Thank you, Jesus. He's telling us right here, we have a hope that others do not have. And I consider it our mission to get to those people as many as possible to share the hope. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You see, they don't have an expectation of the escape that we have. Their eyes are like, oh, I've heard about this tribulation. How how am I going to get out of it? You know, thank, thank the Lord that Noah believed in the escape that was offered him. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that Abraham left Sodom and Gomorrah and believed what the Lord said to him, and he escaped. Thank the Lord that we can believe in the escape. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Hallelujah, that's right. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, we who are still alive, okay, did he say there, we who are still alive and are perfect? We who are still alive and do the better works than somebody else. 
we who are still alive and have this superabounding faith that causes us to just tackle every problem, just, you know, we just, we just walk over them all. We who are still alive and are super devoted. We, are super, we who are still alive and are super zealous. We are, who are alive and are lurking harder than somebody else is looking for the blessed hope. Is that what it says there? I didn't think so. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. Period. We're still alive and we're left until the coming of the Lord. will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Those are the believers who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will raise first, rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I have a hope. I have a blessed hope. And nobody's going to take it away from me. You know, when he comes, when Jesus comes at the catching away, or what, what we commonly refer to as the rapture, his feet do not touch the ground. There's the sound. And instantly, in the twinkling of an eye, the believers are with him. The rest of the world is not going to hear that. The unbelieving world is not going to hear that at that point. The second coming, his feet touch the ground. <laughs> Amen to that, sister. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, therefore, whenever there's a therefore, we need to pay attention. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Be encouraged about your blessed hope. Live untethered from the concerns of this world. Let go. Hold it loosely. The contemporary English version there says, Next, all of us, that's brethren, who are still alive will be taken up into the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the sky. From that time on, we will be with the Lord forever. Rotherhams, I know this is a little lengthy, but I'm just trying to show you the scripture. That's all. This is not my agenda. This is a scripture. Rotherhams emphasized. But we do not wish you to be ignorant, brethren, brethren, concerning them who are falling asleep. Yes, ye be sorrowing, even as the rest also who are without hope. Those who are out without hope are the non believers. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again so that 
So also will God bring forth with him, that's Jesus, them who have fallen asleep through Jesus. For this unto you do we say by the word of the Lord that we, the living who are left unto the presence of the Lord, Jesus coming in the cloud, shall in no wise get before them who have fallen asleep because the Lord himself, with a word of command. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The Lord himself, with a word of command, with a chief messenger's voice, with a trumpet of God, shall descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we the living who are left. Now he just said brethren at the top of this. together with them shall be caught away in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus evermore with the Lord shall we be. Now, just in case you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but I've messed up more than you realize, or yeah, but Maybe my heart's not on fire enough. Yeah, but am I looking hard enough? Is my faith big enough? Just in case that's what you're thinking, i.e. the partial rapture of the church, think about who he was writing to here. He was writing to the Thessalonians. And he himself says they're idle. They're lazy. They're lazy. They're idle. They're disruptive. They're busybodies. Those are the people he's talking to. And yet he is saying all. So just go ahead and get rid of the self-condemnation or all the rules and regulations that you think you need to go through to qualify. First Corinthians 15:51. Again, Paul is speaking to brethren. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. He's saying all that are alive, they are believers, that's who he's talking to, and who are the Corinthians? Who are the Corinthians? They are the babies. They were considered babies in Christ. They were going to prostitutes. They were committing incense. They were arrogant. They were in need of self-discipline. Who in here doesn't need self-discipline? I do. I need self-discipline all the time. And there were other sins. 
Can I ask you a question? Does the blood cover your sin or not? Did the blood of Jesus destroy the curse of sin and death? Have you, any of you seen God change that standard anywhere in the Bible? My Lord tells me he changes not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what my Lord tells me. My beautiful Father so even though all this sin, and these were babies in Christ, not necessarily in terms of time, but, you know, in what they were doing, and yet he says we will all, we will all be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, We who believe... Do not have to grieve like those who have lost hope, right? See, we're not going to lose hope. That's why we're talking about this today. We are restoring a blessed hope, the importance of a blessed hope, the importance of what you have, the importance of your inheritance in Christ. Hallelujah. Teaching the rapture, this causes us to release our grip on the world and on our own self-condemnation, I believe. Fourthly, many teach that in order to be raptured, you have to have special faith. You have to be a special overcomer. You have to be specially zealous. You have to walk in a special way with Christ. You have to be in particularly devoted. Okay, is all of that good? Yes, that's all stuff that we should all be striving for. We purify our hearts, right? We purify our hearts before the Lord Jesus Christ. We say, Lord, if it's displeasing to you, it's displeasing to me. Help me get rid of it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We purify ourselves, but that hope encourages this purification. It draws us nigh into the hope that we have. And we, when we have a hope and we understand the love that he has for us and in the inheritance, we just want to like get closer and closer and closer and purify everything within us that isn't of him. And the Holy Spirit helps us do that. So there are those who say that we have to have this special faith. Okay, and I guess you're one of those. Right? Someone who says, you have to have special faith. Well, then are you one of those? How much faith is faith enough? Where are we going to draw the line? Were you faithful yesterday? Well, no, not really, because I sort of did this. Whoa, good thing you didn't come yesterday because you would have missed the boat. Oh, but I'm faithful today. I learned and I corrected it. Oh, too bad. You already missed it. He came yesterday. No second chances with God. Do you see ad infinitum where that type of logic takes people? What about someone who gets saved right now, right this very second, and the Lord comes? He's, that person's going. 
personally think that with a thief on the cross, Jesus would have said, okay, you know, all, the, all you did is say, remember me. And Jesus would have said, okay, you're going to be with me. But then someone who gets saved 30 seconds before the rapture, he's going to tell them something different. I don't believe that's the heart of God. Jesus has already conquered sin and death on my behalf. The curse of sin is gone in my life. He has translated me into the kingdom of his dear son, light and life. Should we have faith? Yes. Should we do good works? Yes. Should we always try to be better? Yes. But our works are an extension of our faith. I don't see anywhere in the scripture that says it's a prerequisite to the rapture. Those who believe that only special overcoming Christians will go in the rapture, honestly, I'm going to tell you what they're doing. And they're probably referring to Revelation, to those who overcome, to those who overcome, I will give. To those who overcome, this will happen. People who believe that only the special overcomers, what they're really doing is they are equating the rapture with a reward. Yes. Are your good works going to bring you crowns in heaven? Will you be rewarded for your good works that are born out of faith? Yes. But those who are saying, I'm a better overcomer, so I get to go, and that one's not a, I'm not going to judge that. I'm going to tell you that right now. And in my book, the last time I looked into the scripture, the God already said I'm an overcomer because of the blood. It's not something I earn. It's not something I do. It is who he is. It is his love. It is his mercy. It is his grace that has already made me an overcomer. Done. I am defined as an overcomer. Revelations 12:11 says, "They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony." The testimony is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So someone who's saying to you, you're not overcoming enough, so you can't go in the rapture, it's arrogance. And it truly is not understanding who the blood has made them. The blood I know, the blood of Jesus, already says I'm an overcomer. He died so that I could be an overcomer. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10. 
This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those, this is the second coming, who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. Those are those who do not know God. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to, listen to this, to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you. This includes you. This includes you. Because you believed. It doesn't say because you overcame by your own good works, by your super faith, by your zealousness. Says because you believed. By faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I receive the salvation of the rapture, the escape from the day of wrath and the great tribulation. Scripture calls it the rescue. It causes calls it the deliverance. It causes it calls it salvation. Salvation, yes, from the curse of sin and death, but salvation from the day of wrath. I have pictures in the Old Testament that tell me the same thing. Are we getting it? I don't believe God changes his standards. How could he require simple belief in Jesus as Lord and then something more for us to be with him in heaven when he comes? We read scripture, it calls the catching away, the deliverance, the salvation of God. It doesn't call it a special crown. It doesn't call it a reward. Yes, we are rewarded. Yes, we are. But you understand what I'm talking about, right, when I say that. The blood of Jesus saves us and destroys the curse of sin and death. It brings us into the righteousness of Christ. It secures eternal life. It destroys the hold of death. It causes us to commune with God our Father. And it does so without falter. Without falter. So if only those with special faith get a ticket, to go in the rapture, and that part of the church gets to go, and that part of the church doesn't, then the blood didn't do its job. And we know that's not true. If only those who, only those with special super faith get to go in the rapture, how much faith is enough, right? How much is enough? Does that bring hope? If Jesus told us to be encouraged by that, would that encourage you? No, you, you know what that would do to me? That would send me into a total tailspin. That would, that would send me into a doctrine of works. Oh my gosh, Lord, how much faith is enough? Have I done enough today? Oh, did I demonstrate my faith? 
And then I would start looking at every single work as, as, a, as an outer work rather than an inner work because I'd want to be making sure that everybody knew that I was doing works. Craziness. Should we grow in our faith? Yes, please. Always be in the word every day. Pray every day. When you do something wrong, repent. Go ahead and receive forgiveness. Should we do good works? Yes, let those be an extension of our faith. Should we be looking for Christ to come and rapture us? Yes. Should we be looking for his coming? Yes. We should do all these things. I'm not saying you shouldn't do these things. I'm not saying that it gives people grace to sin. I hope you don't think I'm saying that. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm trying to talk about understanding God's heart for us. This should be freeing to us. It should be, it, like I said earlier, it causes us to want to be more impassioned with Jesus. To purify our lives even more. To save souls. To be a witness, to be a testimony. But saints, it is the blood that overcomes. It is not us. It's not me. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.9 The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. In all the ways that wickedness deceive those who are perishing. But we're not perishing. We already read that. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. But we, who's we? Believers. Ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord because God chose you as the first fruits from the beginning to be saved, and you followed through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, through belief in the truth. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory. That you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And, you know, let me just, wasn't really going to talk about this, but let me just add one other quick little thing. In the last uh, book of Revelations, three times Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Okay? And people have used that to say, you know, to basically scoff about the rapture. Oh, he hasn't come quickly. It's like 2,000 years. What are you talking about? The word there is not talking about time like, like days. It's talking about suddenness. Suddenness. And he is coming suddenly for the church in the twinkling of an eye. How sudden is that? So be ready. Look for it. Be hopeful. It is your blessed hope. 
And it causes us to allow the things of this world not to distract us, not to traumatize us, not to have us be concerned, not to have, us eye, have our eyes there all the time. We have a blessed hope, saints, a beautiful blessed hope. He's coming to catch away the church. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord put on my heart for today. We're going to go ahead and do communion. So hopefully.